Hi, and welcome to The Gene Space, where I talk about creativity, writing, music, life in an autistic household, and other random stuff. I'm so glad you're listening today. Today's episode is about autism, conversations that go sideways, panic, and social autopsies. I want to emphasize that it's not about the social platform social autopsy. From the little that I know about that site, I am not a fan. I'm talking here about the process of a social autopsy as a way to of trying to understand where an interaction started to slip, where uh, the neurotypical social rules have been broken somehow. Um, it's a kind of a tool, it's pen and paper sort of tool, um, and it suggests behaviors to try um, if something similar happens in the future. And I found it fairly useful on occasion. I hope you enjoy the show. My shopping basket contained two packs of index cards, a bottle of melatonin, and a pair of athletic shoes. I was headed for the checkout area at the big box store, let's call it Bullseye, when a clerk at an open register flagged me down. Not wanting to appear rude or rejecting, I came over to his counter. I unloaded my basket onto the conveyor belt while mentioning mentioning casually that I'd been on the way to self-checkout. Self-checkout? Why do you want me to lose my job? He said. His voice pitched to Carrie. He continued to riff on this topic for the entirety of the transaction. Where's he going to find a new job? He's a senior citizen. He needs the work, etc. When an interaction suddenly goes sideways, autism tends to contract my options to truth or mute. Truth emerged first. I like doing self-checkout, I blurted. Another employee had started restocking the cigarette lighters next to the lip balm and AA batteries at a nearby display. Can you believe it? My tormentor boomed at her. This lady wants to take my job. She wants to check her merchandise herself. Mute took over. I directed my eyes to the floor, listened to the lecture, and waited for the transaction to be finished. Thanks for shopping at Bullseye, and have a nice day, the cashier said, handing me the receipt. I managed to walk out of the store rather than run, a small victory. It was one of the few non-rainy days of this July, and I'd been enjoying the dry weather. But in the parking lot, the sun seemed too bright, slamming a headache into my skull. I abandoned my plans for the rest of the morning, which had been writing in a coffee shop, looking for more washi tape to add to my collection, etc., and headed for home. As I drove, my brain roiled with the usual mixture of anger and frustration with myself for freezing, rather than having some kind of a healthier reaction. When I got home, I went to the bullseye feedback site listed on my receipt and relayed my experience and discomfort. Then I complained to Sonny and Dave, who offered sympathy and cookies. Then I started a social autopsy. Sonny's elementary school guidance counselor was the first to introduce our family to this idea. A social autopsy is a process similar to debriefing that's applied to social errors. Sonny and I completed many SA worksheets, and I eventually internalized the process in a less formal way for myself. 
So a social autopsy steps include one, learning what expectation has been violated, two, identifying who has been offended or hurt by that violation, three, understanding what behaviors will lead to a better outcome, and four, making a plan for the next time. So, what expectation has been violated? This one was a bit baffling, but it occurred to me that maybe my mentioning self-checkout seemed belittling or argumentative to the clerk, or maybe I had unintentionally raised a concerning topic. In the short term, self-checkout is positioned as no threat to the job of a cashier, just as ATMs were supposedly no threat to bank tellers. I've visited a human bank teller maybe once in the last decade. There are still tellers, that's true, but there are way fewer of them. Now, professions and organizations change over time. Grocery carts and shopping baskets that allow customers to select their merchandise and walk it to the registers also eliminated jobs. Or maybe the expectation violated was that I was supposed to understand that he was just joking. Who has been hurt? Obviously the cashier, although my part is tricky to parse. Maybe it seemed rude for the first thing out of my mouth to be that I'd been headed for self-checkout. Maybe it's hard for him to pretend that it's grand that customers can check themselves out. What behaviors will lead to a better outcome? The trick to this one is observation of what normal people do. With no neurotypicals in my house, I posted the situation on a discussion board where there are a lot of neurotypical people and asked what they would have done. The answers included go to the self-checkout anyway, ask for the manager, which is too caring of a thing for me to do, walk out of the transaction, complain to bullseye, which I had done, joke back that self-service is better than dealing with slow checkers, and video him on your phone. There wasn't much offered about how to get the conversation going on a different track. I was struck by the rather astonishing realization that neurotypical seemed as flummoxed when dealing with unexpected confrontations as I was. Bullseye got back to me late that afternoon. There were many sincere-sounding sentences in the manager's email. I was assured that the cashier had just been joking and hadn't intended any offense. Reassured that Bullseye's self-checkout area doesn't threaten anyone's job security. Encouraged to visit this Bullseye again soon. And while I am not sure these sentences were completely truthful, I responded by accepting the explanation and saying there were no hard feelings. Complaint to the store had probably been the best response, partly because it let me rise to be a slightly better, more reciprocal person by accepting the apology. What to do next time? Start every conversation with, hi, how's it going? Banal, but with a formulaic response, which can then lead safely to the weather. Avoid this particular bullseye. And most crucially, when heading for self-checkout in another store, approach with caution, ready to dodge the cashiers. Thanks so much for listening. I read a CNN article recently called Everybody Hates Self-Checkout. And 
From the title, I knew I was going to disagree with a lot of stuff, uh, but the article was more about how often there are errors at the self-checkout kiosks, which is true, and how much customers hate them, but I don't know. I was a very reluctant user of self-checkout at first, but I have become an enthusiastic convert and use this method uh, almost every time I go to a store that has a self-checkout section. I've even mastered the brought my own bag option. The article did confirm that the bullseye manager was, let's say, overly optimistic about self-checkout's effect on cashier jobs, which are much more limited. And unfortunately, self-checkout hasn't reduced stores' costs the way that it was planned to. There's a lot more um, theft or misscanning at the self-checkout area, and maintaining the machines is costly. Uh, Programming the machines is also costly. But an advantage to me is that self-checkout limits some small talk interactions that if I'm having a bad social groove day, are very uh, just stressful and sometimes problematic. So I'm curious, if you use self-checkout machines, do you like them better or do you use them just because sometimes you've got to get out of the store fast? Um, And um, do you prefer them? Uh, And is that because there's convenience there or more speed or just a wish to pack your own uh, items the way you like it or a wish to avoid awkward chit chat or some combination of the above. I would love to know. You can check out this podcast as a blog on my WordPress page. There's a link in the description box. If you'd like to support this show, that would be awesome. There's a donations button on my homepage. Until next time, be well.